It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others and leading guests from the world of women's football. Cuts back onto her right foot oh. and finds the net! Talksport 2. Hello, hello. Welcome to Women's Football Weekly. The WSL is back and there's late drama in the top of the table clash at the Emirates. Whipped in by Kankovic. The header from Kerr. 1-1. Chelsea have done what they do best. I think it's a massive point. Away from home, packed crowd. Yeah, I'm delighted. Over 46,000 fans see Arsenal and Chelsea share the spoils. Plus, is there a late twist in the battle at the bottom? Here come Leicester working their way through beautifully. It's Goodwin. Goodwin to shoot. Comes off Fox. And now Robinson! What a goal from Monique Robinson! Leicester have a third! And we'll hear exclusively from Chelsea goalkeeper Anne Catherine Berger. You can't tell me one athlete that likes to give up. And I think um, that helps me quite a lot. And the physical side, obviously... So much to discuss, including all the rest of the results from the WSL and Championship and news from the world of women's football. This is Women's Football Weekly, National Radio's only dedicated women's football show. Women's Football Weekly with Faye Others. I'm Mary Earps. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSpot 2. Not just one guest tonight, but two. First and foremost, we haven't seen her for a while. Lovely to see former Spurs goalkeeper Chloe Morgan. How are you doing? Not too bad. Thanks for having me back. Yes, well, we've we've been talking about it for a while, but when there's a month-long break from football, there's not a lot of chance to, to actually sit down and talk. So we'll catch up with everything that you're doing very soon. Uh, but we do have regular Times football writer Molly Hudson with us as well. How are you doing, Molly? I'm good, thank you. It's like a little reunion show here, isn't it? I know, it feels like it, doesn't it? We had far too long where we were just doing things on Zoom and not in the studio, and it feels like we're doing things properly now. And actually, let's do things properly by kicking things off with the top of the table clash at the Emirates. Over 46,000 fans there, the second highest ever WSL attendance, and we brought you live commentary on TalkSport. What a dramatic end to the game it was. Catley delivers, headed down by Hortig. What a save by Musevic. Biggest chance of the game so far. Ford have got the wrong side of Charles, who made the challenge, and the referee has pointed to the spot. It's a penalty for Arsenal. Kim Little wearing number 10 with one of the biggest kicks of the ball of the WSL season so far. And this to give Arsenal the lead against the champions. She does! She sends the goalkeeper the wrong way. Arsenal lead. 
the definition of a captain's goal. Whipped in by Kankovic, the header from Kerr! 1-1! Chelsea have done what they do best! They strike late, and isn't that just the mark of champions? That's full-time, Chelsea have salvaged a point, and they retain their three-point advantage over Arsenal in the race for the Women's Super League title. TalkSport's Joe Shannon with the commentary there. Uh, myself and Molly were at the Emirates. It was a great atmosphere, um, although I think Chloe would have been a little bit warmer because she watched it with her feet up on the sofa and it was absolutely freezing. Um, what did you make of the game as a spectacle, Chloe? Um, I think I was expecting a little bit more from it. Obviously, it's a massive Titan clash. It's the first game back after the 2023 you know, Christmas break and... I think um, I was a little bit sceptical about how Arsenal were going to do. Obviously, they're missing some key players. You know, they're attacking front, missing Mead, um, you know, missing Mead and Mar, And I was expecting, actually, they're going to look a little bit shaky, not too not too sure of themselves. But I found the reverse. I found that Chelsea were the ones looking at the shaky opposition. And I think Arsenal had the better chances, especially in the first half. And, you know, I think I was a little bit disappointed with Hurtig, missing a couple of those chances, which then became very critical and very key later on in the game. But Arsenal, I think, were very dominant, very confident. And, you know, defensively, I thought they were absolutely outstanding. I mean, nothing was getting through that back line. It was it was quite quite a spectacle to watch. Yeah, a bit rusty, they looked, maybe, well. Uh, yeah, I was, I was just thinking that, that Chloe's right. I think the fact that it come after that break I think it's it's always difficult and I don't I don't know if it's the scheduling or what it is but it always feels like we get these really big games after some sort of break after like an international window we always get the managers complaining that they've lost the players it always feels like that ahead of Chelsea Arsenal and it and it did feel a bit like that I think you know at the end of the day I think it's a it is a missed opportunity for Arsenal because I think you watch the game they dominated for large periods they had a lot of chances that you know, it's easy to say Beth Mead or Vivian Mead are putting them away, but I think they are. Mm. And you could sort of see that that new look front line with Blackstenius, Hertig and Ford, although it's new look, it's not one that they're going to stick with because you've still got the, the, the players that were on the bench that weren't quite integrated enough to make an impact. And then you've got, you know, Jonas Eideville, the, the manager has, has made clear that he also wants to bring in a, a prolific forward, really. So I think it was like the timing of this fixture maybe meant that we didn't quite see the best of it that we might have done in, say, a month's time. I can see why the scheduling would do it because it gets attention back on the league after a month off, which you tend to lose. If you lose a little bit of momentum, that's what happens. So I can I can understand why they would do it, but equally I, I'm with you. You don't quite get the spectacle that we're, that we're used to seeing between these two sides. Let's discuss the penalty first and foremost. Kim Little taking it after Caitlin Ford was brought down by Neve Charles, who had a torrid afternoon uh, down Chelsea's right-hand side. Um, let's hear first and foremost what Chelsea manager Emma Hayes thought of the penalty. There's much debate outside that if you have a single contact with a player outside the box, that it's a penalty, that it's a free kick. However, the officials are saying they gave it for the tangling of the legs, but she was already going down. So I don't know how you avoid that. I think it's probably best just to focus on the wonderful ball from Kankovic into Sam Kerr in 88 minutes because that shows the character of the team to be able to come back in a really difficult moment does highlight VAR which we've talked about so many times before it's got to come our game deserves it not just this game our whole game across the country um, and let's hope we can progress towards that 
We've had that VIR discussion here on Women's Football Weekly on plenty of occasions, haven't we? But you've got a little bit more on the on the penalty from a refereeing point of uh, view and the laws of the game, Mo. Yeah, I think it was a little bit confusing because you you look at the first foul or perhaps the better term is the start of the foul and it is outside of the box and I completely understand why a lot of fans and I think Magda Eriksson on the pitch, you could see her mouthing to the referee, that's outside the box. But then because she fouls Ford, Ford is then falling to the ground, which is a continuation of the same sort of tackle, it's the same move, tangles her legs and then falls down into the box. So the law is actually when does the foul end? And the foul did end in the penalty box, even if it didn't start in the penalty box. So I can understand why it's given. And although I have mixed feelings about VAR, because I think there's things we need to do first before we, you know, skip skip a few stages. And, and we need and, the money to do it as well. Yes, mm. exactly. But I think <clears throat> I'm actually not sure that VAR would overturn that. Mm. I don't think it's a clear and obvious error. So again, I'm not sure... It would have solved it, but I do think it's a little bit of a safety net for managers to think, well, another official has seen that and they sort of believe it a bit more in a way that that it's not just on that one official that they think could make an error. So, yeah, I personally wasn't too bothered about the fact that it was given. I understand why it was given. Um, But... I also think Emma might have been a little bit more annoyed if they hadn't have got that late equaliser. <laughs> I agree with you on that. Um, I do wonder what a former player thinks about VAR because, you know, certainly uh, watching VAR week in, week out in the Premier League, I can see the frustrations of, of the players and the managers. But what do you think about it, Chloe? I think um, the first thing is to invest properly in the, the refereeing of the games. I think we see far too often in the Championship and also the WSL that poor decisions are being made. But I've got to agree with Molly on the decision that was made this weekend. I mean, initially, I think I was slightly on, on side with Chelsea, thinking that actually I don't think that's that's a penalty. It is outside the box. But having learned a little bit from Molly today about, here for. about the rules, which is <laughs> slightly embarrassing that I've now retired from sport and are, um, now learning the rules of, uh, of penalties being given. Um, but yeah, I've got to agree it's sort of whilst I wasn't particularly convinced that it was a penalty I think it was justice for Arsenal who had missed those opportunities and getting that one goal up I think they actually deserved it at that point so it kind of equaled out in a way all to play for in the title race with a point apiece I spoke to Emma Hayes and firstly defender Millie Bright after the match it's tense it's tense you know but that's why we we play in the top top teams in the one of the best leagues it's it's for this excitement it's the, the league and it's credit to all the teams it's so competitive this season even more so than last year and you know it's going to go down to the final wire and I think coming into this season we expected that we know that every game is a must win game and you know everyone talked about this been a huge game but for us every game is is a must win game I think it's a massive point away from home packed crowd you know the, the Arsenal talked about how they were going to use that to their advantage I think they did in the second half certainly um, in the build up to the penalty I thought it was the one spell where they you know, we're on top in the game. But great response from the team after the goal. Great response from the finishers off the bench. I thought they all added value. We changed shape, needed to. Uh, KG first half, good point. Yeah, I'm delighted. 
Yeah, Perisay and uh, Kirby really changed the game, didn't they, in, in in the end for for Chelsea. And we will talk about the attendance in a minute and the experience from a fan's point of view, which, in, in my opinion, could have been better. But let's hear from the Arsenal camp, shall we? Uh, first, the thoughts of uh, Jonas Eideval. Uh, you'll also hear from Arsenal captain Kim Little. But I asked Jonas if it was a frustrating or a fair result. When I assess the game, I think from a performance perspective, I think we do well, and both in offence and in defence. I think we create more and better goal-scoring opportunities than Chelsea. So then when I come to the result, that part I'm a little disappointed about because I think we could have deserved to win. But you have to be humble. Chelsea is a very good side. Uh, I think you see two sides that both finish top in their Champions League groups. I think both teams have potential to advance to the semi-finals in the Champions League. And when you are playing teams like that, any situation, any detail can make a difference. I think obviously with Viv and Beth, it's, you know, they've got um, ACL injuries and they're, you know, it's not, it's one of the worst kind of injuries because of the length of it. And it's obviously disappointing to not have them there. But, you know, we have a, a quality squad here and um, I think we showed today that we can be an attacking threat, you know, without them as well. And um, we definitely showed that. And yeah, it's just that little end bit which will come with, with flow in games. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm very sure that that will be the case in this rest of the season that we'll get be clinical and get what we need. Yeah, clinical is exactly the word. That's what Arsenal need to need to be. And let's discuss the attendance. 46,811, second highest ever in the WSL. It felt a little bit weird, Molly, in the stadium that they announced the tickets sold rather than the actual attendance. Do you think that's because they didn't actually know? Because it was a little bit of chaos going on outside. Fans queuing up to get in and not being allowed in just before kickoff. I think the reason they tend to define whether it's attendance or tickets sold is because what we've seen quite often in the women's game at these big landmark events is they'll sell quite a lot of tickets but because they're quite cheap some people don't show up so I think when they actually broke the record which I think is about 47,000 they'd actually sold 53,000 tickets yeah but the official attendance is lower than that so I think perhaps that's why um but yes, that's a bit misleading, personally. It is, yes. I don't like that. Little think, asterisk. <laughs> yeah, it, don't, it does. Don't force it. Yeah, I don't think. You, I don't think. <clears throat> excuse me. I don't think you need to force it. I think the number is big, mm. so you don't need to hide the fact that you know that happens all the time. People don't turn up for 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 whatever reason. Um, and actually, the the biggest attendance was at the Emirates, forty seven thousand three hundred and sixty seven. That is still the top, but. Tom Gary on um, Twitter, who writes for The Telegraph, actually, you know, said it's worth remembering for the same fixture last season, which was also played at the Emirates, the attendance was 8,705. I mean, that is an enormous difference and shows where the game has come and where it is going as well. But the experience for the fans, so I'll I'll give you my media um, uh, opinion on it. Uh, as the media, you're allowed to arrive at the ground three hours before kickoff, so nine nine a.m. Um, myself and my producer there by eight forty-five. We did not get in until just before quarter two, in the end, so an hour later, which is infuriating when you're setting up for a live broadcast. But it was even worse for the fans; they were still outside five minutes before kickoff. Uh, you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talksport Two. Faker others, former Spurs goalkeeper Chloe Morgan and Molly Hudson from the Times with you. Uh, coming up from the top to the bottom, we'll discuss a huge result for Leicester. Is the great escape on? Women's Football Weekly. That is absolute top quality on Talksport Two. 
This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the only show on national radio dedicated to women's football. I'm Faker Others. Molly Hudson from The Times and former Spurs goalkeeper Chloe Morgan are alongside me today. Uh, don't forget, if you do miss any of our shows or if you want to listen again, our podcast is available on the TalkSport app, so just go ahead and download it today. Now, before we delve into the bottom of the table and Leicester's win over Brighton, I just want to revisit a couple of things we were talking about regarding the attendance at Arsenal yesterday because Arsenal did release a statement and match day operation was the same as every other fixture and event at Emirates Stadium. An early kickoff combined with a number of new supporters to our stadium, coupled with 50% of supporters arriving in the last 20 minutes before kickoff, resulted in busy turnstile areas. We'll continue to educate supporters on arriving early to the stadium for necessary security and bag checks and continue to discourage supporters bringing any unnecessary luggage and large bags. Um... Uh, prams was one of the things that was brought into this in my opinion there should be a buggy park at every single um, football ground anyway personally listen up rating <laughs> um, people um, but but what did you take on that Molly yeah I think I think it is uh, it is a learning experience I think what is quite exciting for the women's game is that it's a completely different demographic that women's football has found itself tapping into because I think we've talked on this show before about the kind of worries that maybe men's football fans, maybe the bits that we, let's be honest, don't really like about men's football could creep into women's football. And actually, we haven't seen that at all. We've seen fantastic atmospheres, completely different demographics, you know, families, parents, things like that. But also, they are people that don't go to football matches normally. So whether it's bringing a pram, whether it's bringing a big backpack and you have to have those bag checks you're not allowed a bag over a certain restriction blah 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 I think all of those things are something that's going to take a little prob- little time it's like teething problems they're good teething problems but they're a bit of a pain mm. at the beginning yeah absolutely well we'll see what happens with the next the next match and uh, and what the attendance is uh, for that uh, let's look at Leicester though Leicester 3 Brighton nil. I mean Molly Hudson you said last week if Leicester win this game the great escape is on I recorded it it went out live uh, first points on the board for Willie Kirk's side still at the bottom but now four points from safety this was played at King Power Stadium uh, former Brighton forward Aileen Whelan Sam Tierney and substitute Monique Robinson uh, with the three goals really impressive and it felt like a completely different Leicester side Chloe I mean going into this game I thought it was pretty much a, a done deal and I feel bad for saying that now uh, and a little bit silly um, but I think, I mean, it wasn't just, you know, a very creepy kind of 1-0 win. It was a solid, confident performance. It was like Leicester had gone away over the break, really had a talking to themselves and thought, you know what, let's make 2023 a big year for us. And, and that they did. I mean, I was looking through some of the stats and 14 shots from Leicester, three on target, and then obviously finished those three. So that's a 100% conversion rate. So that is not not a Leicester that we've seen before. So it'll be really interesting now to see what they do with that going forwards. But that that must have added to, to their confidence in a big way I think Willie Kirk actually alluded to that at the um, either in his press conference before the match or in his post-match comments after it that that the team had almost put a reset switch on 2023 let's start again because mm. there's plenty of time for them to, um, to to pick up points along the way it's psychologically harder when you're looking you know up um, but equally, it looked as if they've done exactly that. And the, the team that they needed to catch was indeed Brighton with a brand new manager in Yen Shua. Um, and, and, and they did that. And it's worrying times for Brighton, Molly. 
Well, again, it's uh, I, I will claim the uh, the great escape from Leicester. I'll claim that. But what I did also say that um, Brighton had a bit of a safety buffer for the new manager to kind of settle in. That's that's kind of halved. That's, that's suddenly not as not as safe, is it? And I think that's the last thing that Brighton want in that scenario. You know, you've got new players coming in, um, and I have to say, I know we've, we've spoken about kind of the Leicester attackers scoring those goals but and I appreciate I'm about to butcher this name but Janina Leipzig the mm. goalkeeper that Leicester have signed on loan from Bayern Munich really impressed as well in that game and I think we talked last week on the show about the signings maybe the big name signings that are going to go on and transform seasons but actually a goalkeeper for a, a team at the bottom of the league could well be you know a, a real game changer in that sense yeah definitely let's hear from the former Bayern Munich uh, boss who's now at Brighton Jens Schuer he spoke to the media earlier on today uh, ahead of their Conti Cup match against West Ham on Wednesday here's what he had to say about Sunday's performance I think we are all disappointed but it wasn't the result what we want uh, wanted but um, yeah honestly I think Leicester did it well and um, were really aggressive. Um, I think it was an, 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 a game um, which we are not the weaker team. Maybe we were a little bit unlucky. I think we created good good scenes. Um, yeah, interesting to see to, to see the girl in this uh, in this game. So um, I have a whole picture of the team right now. And now I will uh, do my decisions uh, for the next week. I'm not sure if you lose 3-0, you can be unlucky. I mean, I, I can't comment because I wasn't at the game and I've only seen the highlights, but they certainly didn't look unlucky for, from my point of view. No, I think they looked unstable. And I think, you know, when Jens was speaking, he was, you know, at the start of this, when he when he first joined, sorry, not at the start of the season, uh, he said he wanted to bring in sort of defensive stability. He wanted to make sure that actually they weren't leaking goals before he looked at, you know, working on the attack. But... For me, that's exactly what they did in that first, in, in that game. Um, you know, they leaked goals. I mean, they've conceded, I think, 44 goals now since the start of the season. Um, yeah, 13 games since having a clean sheet. And I just think, you know, for someone who's set out to have this kind of um, objective, that's that's a bad way to start. Yeah, and it's going to be um, a bad week. They've got West Ham, who are doing pretty well, apart from um, a, a defeat this weekend. But in the WSL next week, it's Arsenal. So they're going to have to tighten up defensively very quickly um, Everton 3 Reading 2 this is quite a fun game at Walton Hall Park actually Reading yet again this season staging a second half comeback of sorts uh, not quite enough though still just on 7 points so that's 4 points above Leicester um, Everton holding on to move up to 5th in the table we talk about butchering names I'm going to butcher this for sure catch a snow jish. That's not right, is it? <laughs> not even. Not, I don't even think the attempt was, was right. And I can just apologise. Uh, Jess Park as well in the first half uh, bef- before Van Hevermat pulled one back. Gabby George, what a goal that was, restoring Everton's two-goal lead before Deanna Cooper made it a very exciting finish. Um, Jess Park and Hannah Benison both particularly impressive in this game, Molly. Yeah, I've really enjoyed seeing Jess Park, actually. And I think it was a fantastic loan move for her to move away from Manchester City because whatever shortcomings Manchester City may have, they have two of the best wingers in the division in Lauren Hemp and Chloe Kelly. And Jess Park had to get out of there to show what she can do and to develop. And, you know, we all know at that age, it's so crucial to get minutes. 
and that's exactly what she's got at Everton. I think she's she's showing everyone what she can do. Obviously, she she's been sort of breaking into that England squad as well. So I think it's been a move that really has benefited both of those teams because she will go back to Manchester City a better player and her value will have increased no end. Mm, agreed. Um, what, what do you think of these two teams? Last week, Chloe, me and Molly were talking about them in terms of you just never really know what you're going to get from either of them. A bit inconsistent at times. I think it's that. It's just inconsistency. I think they're two teams that have, have sat in the middle heart, the middle section of the WSL for a very long time. You don't expect that they're going to be making it as title contenders or even into the Champions League spots and you don't expect they're going to be relegated. They just sit there very comfortably. So... I don't always think their games are that exciting. I mean, this game was quite quite exciting with, you know, five goals there and, and obviously having a chance to see Jess Park and, and how much she's developed. But, you know, for me, I think it's the consistency that's going to get them, you know, higher up the, the table and start to, to, for them to be exciting to watch mm. again. But... um yeah, it was okay. It was it was an okay game. It was a meh. Yeah. It was it, a meh. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know if you can have a meh game at 3-2, uh, for <laughs> sure. But frustrating for, for Reading, that's for sure. But by all accounts, it felt very much as if Everton were in control of this one and they got the three points in the end. Uh, you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Ruthers, alongside me, Chloe Morgan and Molly Hudson. Uh, we're going to focus on that final Champions League spot next and round up the rest of the weekend's WSL and Championship. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Chip action. Women's Football Weekly. That is absolute top quality on TalkSport 2. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football with me, Faker Ruthers, Chloe Morgan and Molly Hudson from The Times. Don't forget, if you do miss any of our shows or if you want to listen again, our podcast is available on the TalkSport app. So just go ahead and download it today. Uh, now then, Manchester United 6, Liverpool 0. Liverpool good against big teams is what we said last week. Not on Sunday. Uh, Manchester United move up to second... Uh, apparently, despite the scoreline, didn't even play particularly well themselves. Terrible performance from Liverpool, by all accounts, from those who were at Lee's Sports Village. It was live on TalkSport 2. On a battle 
Trying to get a cross in. It's a decent cross from Hind, and it's gone in! Battle got strong down the right-hand side, sent the ball in, and it's swept home. It might be Lucia Garcia that actually got the final touch. Holland tries to get Liverpool going, but Toons won it back. Finds Russo at the edge of the area. Russo! 2-0. Russo was free. One shot goal. Owner battle ball to the far post. Lad heads it down. 3-0. Battle right hand corner of the box up against Campbell again. Can she dig the cross out along the deck? Russo got it. Own goal. And a two great ball into the box. Thomas! 5-0. They're going second in the table. They are throwing down a challenge to Arsenal and Chelsea that they are very much in the title hunt. Well, there you go. 7,600 WSL record. For Manchester United's women, that puts a ball to the far post. Williams! It's 6 0. Six of the best for Manchester United's women. Well, I mean, they'll take that, won't they? Mark Skinner, I'm sure, second in the table. What did you think of this game, Chloe? It was um, it was interesting. It was very interesting. I think uh, Man United had a very lively start. I think they were finding the pockets of space brilliantly. I think they had a lot of space that they were given by Liverpool. I mean, Liverpool were not tight enough, they were backing away, they were just giving them the field. I think, um, you know, I think they were finding it quite hard because I think there was a barrage of Man United attacks that were happening and I don't think there was any relief from that pressure bar, you know, Shinny's van der Sanden, I think did brilliantly on that on that right wing, dragging the ball upwards, you know, going all the way, making these incredible, you know, 50-yard runs and then getting into sort of really good areas and not finding anyone to actually deliver the cross to. She was so isolated and I think Lawley had some moments of magic on the other side but... All in all, I didn't think that they possessed any kind of attacking strategy. And I think defensively, they were just leaky. Yeah, it was um, a poor performance from them. I think Man United completely exploited that. Yeah, and the thing is, Chelsea will do that even more so, particularly bearing in mind that Liverpool beat Chelsea on the opening day of the season. And that's who they've got next in the WSL, which is worrying for Matt Bid. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a tricky little run, I think as we said last week which didn't age quite so well um, that they're normally good against the big teams I think I think it was 3-0 at half time um, and you you kind of see Matt Beard as someone that we're not having that but then I just there just didn't seem much fight from those Liverpool players and I think Chloe's exactly right I think I think I was listening to some some words from Matt Beard after the game and, and he pointed out there was a run from, from Mel Lawley and she was just on her own and then she got surrounded and there was just no one making a real effort to get up there with her and I think you know I think it's time we recognise Manchester United as the same calibre of team we recognise Chelsea and Arsenal with and you know you can't do it, do that against those teams if you're not absolutely at your best giving absolutely everything and you still might lose if, let's be honest even if you do that and you have to treat Manchester United in that same category now the way they've performed this season they're title contenders for sure and uh, Manchester City are going to be kicking themselves for their poor start to the season because they beat West Ham by a goal to nil at the weekend to move within three points of Arsenal and the Champions League places uh, WSL's top scorer Bunny Shaw with the only goal of the game uh, five minutes into the second half and you know I know that Gareth Taylor will be ruining those early games because otherwise they would very much be in the conversation but it feels as if even though they're only three points behind Arsenal it's going to take something really big um, in in terms of the other teams missing out for, for Manchester City to get a sniff. 
Yeah, I think, um, you know, Man City, Man City are just such a frustrating side because the talent that they have and the recruitment that they do is fantastic. I know sometimes they get played with injuries, but, you know, we saw this last season where they had this really shaky run of games at the start. We've seen it again this season and then they have such an uphill battle to, to climb back from when they come back after the Christmas break. So I think Man City are kind of, they've lost their shine. I think and Man United have kind of stepped into that spot now as the kind of Champions League contenders and also title contenders. So I think um, Man City need to take this almost um, there's a lowering of expectation from them and sort of rebuild get the foundations right and then go again potentially sort of next season but it's um, you know it's not bad you know they've picked up they've picked up the points this weekend so they've they've done the job but um, not not particularly uh, convincingly yeah six points off top spot with a game in hand uh, unbeaten in eleven in all competitions as well they've certainly turned their form around West Ham though doing good things under Paul Konchesky they did push for an equaliser but they dropped to sixth but still steady as you go. They are, and I think they've they've become. We mentioned it earlier. Kind of West Ham were the team that were so inconsistent. From one week to the next, you really never knew what you were going to get, and that's going as far back as when Matt Beard Beard was manager there. You know, and I think now they have that bit of stability. It looks like under under Kondreski, and they've been they've been pretty impressive. And I think you know it is a decent win for Man City. I just think. And I know Gareth Taylor's so frustrated about this and he talks about it all the time. It's a 12-team league. You just don't... You, there's not enough teams in the league to give them a run on you mm. and then get back. You can't do it. No. Um, your former team, Chloe, unfortunately, are consistently bad at the moment. Uh, <laughs> Aston Villa 2, Tottenham Hotspur 1, fifth defeat in a row for Spurs. Worst form in the WSL. Um, we build this one as the battle of the new signings. Successful debuts as well for them. Bethany England opening the scoring for Spurs. Jordan Nobbs and Lucy Staniforth starting in midfield for Aston Villa and they were on the winning side. Darley and Daly. I love that combo of Darley and Daly uh, with the two goals for Villa. Carla Ward's side coming from behind for all three points. Um, what did you make of the impact of the debutants? I mean, obviously there was so much pressure on England's shoulders. I mean, this is a side that have struggled for goals. They've struggled to get themselves back into games. They've struggled with consistency. Uh, you know, they've had a bit of a drought and I think England was supposed to be the kind of saviour in, in that sense. So I think, you know, credit to her for coming on and obviously scoring her first goal on her first game with them. But I think, you know, there were points in that game that it was quite bland, it was quite boring. And I think that the fear was that actually she wouldn't get the deliveries to enable her to actually put away these chances. And I think there were loads of moments in the game where she just looked so isolated up front and that, you know, the team around her didn't really have that belief that England was going to go on and try and win in the game. But, you know, credit to her getting the goal at 29 minutes. But what was then disappointing was that, you know, teams are, are more likely to concede a, a goal, a second goal, you know, five minutes within the, the, them conceding the first goal. And what Spurs didn't do then was stay on the attack. They just held off again and, and went straight into their kind of quite cagey selves. And their counter-attacks were, were slow, passionless, just... It was, um, yeah, it was disappointing from them, given, you know, the bolster of, of having England England there with them. Mm, and certainly, you know, we, we've talked about Aston Villa for a while now, Molly, and, and, and what they're doing slowly and steadily and well behind the scenes is, you know, yet again, although, you know, they had a little dip in the middle of the in the middle of the first half of the season, if that makes sense. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean when I say that. Um, you know, back on form again and, and, and these two on the score sheet again in Darley and Daly. And then when you add quality like Jordan Nobbs and, and Lucy Staniforth, you know, th things are looking quite positive, I would say. Maybe not for for this season in terms of 
you know, challenging higher up the table, but certainly going forward for Aston Villa. Yeah, I think it's, you know, we, we said it last week, it's it's excellent recruitment. You know, Carla Warders, you know, you know, relatively short managerial career, we have to remember, um, has, has done fantastic things at all the clubs she's she's been at. I think it's an interesting one, really. We, we talk so long about kind of breaking into that top echelon of teams and it's taken Manchester United a few seasons to be up there. So I think it's quite a big gap. I think at the moment, Aston Villa will be quite happy to be comfortably mid-table, not having to worry about relegation. And then again, that gives them a bit of a cushion, a bit of time, get the right signings in, and then you can try and make that jump. Because if you try and make it too quickly, we saw what happened to Everton. They signed all of those players and did exactly the opposite and they had to, they've had literally had to start from scratch again. So I think that Villa are doing it in the right way. Mm going to be really fascinating next season but we've still got a lot of this season left uh, to do uh, Spurs though with a lot of work to do they're eighth nine points in ten games and Rianne Skinner will want them to be better than that let's see what uh, Bethany England can do going forward um, just a round up of the championship from the weekend uh, London City Lionesses beating Crystal Palace by five goals to nil two goals from Karen Moyer uh, Bristol City staying second just a point behind but they have a game in hand they recovered from a two being 2-1 two down against bottom side Coventry to win 3-2 two, two stoppage time goals in that crucial blow for Coventry who still have no points on the board more drama at the bottom end of the table as well with Sunderland scoring twice in the last 10 minutes to beat Durham by three goals to two they edge ahead of Sheffield United in the table who are having a really disappointing season they ended up losing 1-0 to Birmingham Claudia Walker scoring the only goal of the game um, for the Blues meaning they stay in the hunt for promotion and Lewis beat Southampton by a goal to nil Emily Craft with a header and Sophie Whitehouse in the Lewis goal denying a string of chances uh, for Saints don't forget Blackburn Charlton was postponed because of waterlogging so all to play for in the championship it's uh, coming out to be a, a cracking season in the second tier uh, you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2 I'm Faker Others Molly Hudson from The Times and former Spurs goalkeeper Chloe Morgan alongside me uh, coming up we're going to hear from Chelsea goalkeeper Anne-Katrin Berger who's been speaking exclusively to Molly for The Times that's next Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others she's around the goalkeeper and has rolled it in on TalkSport 2 you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football with me, Faker Others, Chloe Morgan and Molly Hudson from The Times. We are available on podcasts. Don't get bored of me saying it, please. Uh, plenty of places you can download us, but first head to the TalkSport app to find us. You can obviously subscribe elsewhere as well. Uh, now, she may not have played a part in yesterday's one-all draw at the Emirates, but Chelsea goalkeeper Anne-Katrin Berger has been a constant presence between the sticks for Chelsea. Uh, during her time at the club. The Germany international was diagnosed with thyroid cancer back in 2017 and the day after her side lost to England in the final of last year's European Championships, she found out it had returned. Uh, Molly sat down to talk to her exclusively for the Times. Here's part of her story. Yeah, huge in the development to be um, to be healthy again um, because I think also the mentality you have as an athlete uh, helps you go through this um, type of situation a little bit easier and, um, or with more, almost like motivation because you know um, you're playing football for one target to win um, 
as much trophies as possible and um you have that mentality and um in in real life it's the same and i feel like um a lot of uh, patients who are the same or even worse i think they 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 seem to be in a space then where they don't see their purpose or sometimes uh, giving up and um yeah you can't tell me one athlete that likes to give up and i think um that helps me quite a lot and the physical side obviously um if you i feel like um over the years now even my last treatment i saw me as a athlete and then my neighbor next door she was younger but she was um had the same treatment and she didn't take it well um and she had a lot of issues and that's why i think even i had cancer i feel like um i still have a healthier body than anyone else and i i guess when you speak to players that maybe have injuries and, and illnesses and things like that some of them choose to kind of be quite away from the club because they find it hard not being able to play and things like that what was it like for you were you somebody that wanted to be sort of in and around everyone as much as you can did that help you yeah i i almost needed my team to um to go through it to um that's why my first thing was when i told them that everything everything should be normal like um treating me normal and i feel like that's that helped me that everyone was like hey how are you like every single morning before so um and being around the people who drive uh, drive me every day to my absolutely best um helps me like off the pitch as well like i know what i'm i'm aiming for and i know um what i get out of it then it's the same my aim is to get healthy but how do i get there to be as normal as possible to do the things i always did before and um if i don't do the health side then i can't play football and if i don't play football i will be miserable and and what was what was their reaction like because i think obviously you've been at chelsea now for a few years and sort of covering them it feels like it's quite a close knit group like you guys are, are there pretty much every day all seasons kind of been through a lot together so it does it feel like quite a close knit group Oh yeah, hundred percent. Everyone is uh, caring about each other, and um, we know if there's any issues, you can go to your teammates. And I think that's what that was the hardest to actually tell them um, not to feel sorry about me, or tell them because it's easier to say than to do. And I totally get that because I was in that situation now twice to tell a team um, that I had health issues. And um, but I learned from the first one how I came across, and um, I think I did it better now at Chelsea um, because um, I didn't feel as much uh, of a difference. Obviously, is as a, a good human being obviously it affected them a little bit mm. and I can see that but I I tried to reach out for them then as well to say like look even if you're not okay with it you can still talk to me and it's not a problem at all that um if you have an issue 
talk to me, talk about the dog, because we are quite um, process-driven. And if you don't know what to do or what to think, then a thousand of um, ideas and, um, yeah, you go all over any solutions again. And that's why I try to take out the room and say, like, any issues, any questions, I don't feel uncomfortable, talk to me, talk to the doc, or even to Jess, because she obviously did, uh, she went through uh, with me that twice now, so it was probably she knows even more than me, because I'm not listening that good, I just do it, so... Yeah, I think that helped quite a lot. And Katrin Berger, Chelsea goalkeeper, speaking to Molly Hudson exclusively for The Times. Uh, if you want to listen to more from Anne Katrin, you can download the podcast where we'll feature an extended part of that interview. Or, of course, you can read it in The Times by subscribing online. And she talked a lot there, Molly, about how being an athlete really helped her with the, the gruelling treatment that she had to go through. But it's really key to, to highlight here that she has played... When she first was diagnosed in 2017, she was with Birmingham, wasn't she? Is that right? Um, then at Chelsea, she's played through both times where she's been going through this, which is just incredible. Yeah, firstly, I think, you know, I have to I have to thank Chelsea and Anne Katrin um, for her honesty in, in speaking to me about a, a subject that's obviously a very difficult one. Um, and one of the things we, we kind of talk about in the interview is is how from the outside you you just don't realise, you know, she was playing at the Euros and it was actually during the Euros she first had the blood test that showed something wasn't quite right and then obviously, bless her, the day after the Euros final it was officially confirmed that the cancer had returned. Then she released a statement, went into treatment, obviously you hear nothing, and then she's back on the bench and it, it feels so seamless and she's like, of course it isn't, it's really, really difficult. But that's how she has made it look because of the way that her, the club... The people around her, obviously Jess Carter, her girlfriend, has, has been a massive support as well. And, you know, I think it's just a, a real credit for her for not only going through that, but as somebody that really isn't a social media person, she was saying that her nieces and nephews, they'd had to explain it all to her and help her because obviously the, there was a huge reaction when she put that statement out. And she's really grown into that role as a role model, as, as someone that, you know, Paul Green, the, the Chelsea general manager, described as an inspiration and, and that's really what she is. Yeah, she certainly is. And I remember speaking to, to Arsenal defender Jen Beattie when she had her cancer diagnosis. She had breast cancer and the amount of people that it can, can reach is is really key. And actually, moving on from, from that, Molly, this is something that's really close to your heart personally, outside of, outside of work. We need to talk about Beth Mead and, and what happened with her mum, June, passing away last week from, from cancer and Beth had been open towards the end that, that her mum didn't have very very long left. Really lovely touch from the Arsenal men's squad after the North London derby yesterday. Uh, defender Rob Holding posting a photo on his Instagram of the team holding up Arsenal shirts with thinking of you, Beth, on them. Uh, of course, it goes without saying, I, I know we've all reached out to Beth, um, that our thoughts are with her and her family. Um, and it's touched Jilly Flaherty as, as well because Jilly Flaherty's father passed away um, very suddenly. Uh, not of cancer, by the way. Um, but this is something that within football and within life we don't talk about and, and we, we talk about much more often now and people are more open with, with their emotions, but it really affects people. And, and Jilly's dad died a few weeks ago just before Christmas and, and she's since announced her retirement from, from football. You know, she's the Women's Super League record appearance holder. And Matt Beard said it was a sad day for, for football, the Liverpool manager, when, when she stepped down. But... 
she was just so badly affected by losing her dad as as Beth has been by losing her mum that she can't carry on like that and it's you know it affects people in in very very different different ways yeah um I mean yesterday was quite an emotional day for me because it was actually three years to the day since since I lost my mum to bowel cancer and I think quite often we don't talk about it and obviously it's something that is very difficult to talk about but I think it's it is genuinely really inspirational to see these players that we look up to, that we watch on a pitch, to know that they're going through real life things too. And I think, you know, someone like Beth Mead has really highlighted how you can be at the absolute top of your career professionally and it doesn't protect you from anything awful that can happen in your personal life. And I know that's something that, you know, I've spoken to to Frank Herbie about in the past when her mum passed away when she was very young. And I think it just shows that Aside from everything else, and Emma Hayes spoke so well this week about Beth and about Jilly, some things are so much bigger than football. And, you know, for a lot of players, obviously maybe not for Jilly right now, but football has the ability to help you get through that. And I know it certainly did for me. So I just, you know, really proud of all the players that have, that have you know, talked to us, talked to, to kind of social media about what they're going through because they will have helped so many more people than they even realise. Yeah, and we talk about women's football being such a protective in- environment and being close to the fans and that is another way of of the fans knowing, you know, that, that there are stories going on and, and people want to talk about them and, you know, we wish Jilly all the best and hopefully we'll have her on soon on, the, on Women's Football Weekly when she's ready and, and we'll talk about her career, which was absolutely incredible so many more things we could talk about uh today we've run out of time as we as we usually do chloe it's been lovely to see you hopefully see you again soon absolutely thanks for having me on a big big week to discuss <laughs> absolutely molly always a pleasure having you on and thank you for being so honest and thank you for Anne katrin's uh Uh, interview as well. It was fantastic and we'll see you next week. Uh, Thank you to Chloe Morgan, Molly Hudson and Katrin Berger, producer Will and of course all of you as ever for listening. Don't forget if you do miss any of the show you can download the Women's Football Weekly podcast via the TalkSport app or you can listen back throughout the week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. <laughs> 